Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. One of the themes of Basecamp has been personal development for both men and women out there. And there is something that I gradually noticed about humanity over time. We really struggle with forgiveness, as in nearly every one of us. I know I do. We tend to turn our heartbreaks and affronts to our delicate egos into revenge scenarios in our minds. Because we were wrong, so the ego says, we are right to still be mad or at least hold a low-level grudge, never restoring the world with the lost affinity and love we have kept from it. Friends that left, siblings that just don't get us, parents that didn't love us in just the way we needed to be loved. The cycle goes on and on and on. We age and maybe arrive at a point where forgiveness starts to talk to us more and more. Is my desire for peace and commitment to love greater than my desire for revenge or for being right about some hurtful situation from so many, many years ago? If I am still upset when I think about a situation where I perceived I was wronged, is the work with that person over there or with me? I think you know where I'm going with this. If you are 30 years old or 40 or 50 and you're still holding on to a grudge for 10 or 20 or 30 years, the work to resolve this and have peace in the world is on your plate, not theirs, just as my grudges are on my plate. We are at a place where how skillfully we handle this issue may be one of our keys to living the higher truths. Can we let go of what has, up till now, confined us? Let's go talk about it with our guest today. Nancy Polsky is a leadership coach, speaker, and award-winning leader in corporate learning. Nancy has been a recognized leader in workforce development as part of Training Magazine's Lifetime Achievement Top 125. We got together to talk about, among other things, the power of forgiveness. Here is my interview with Nancy Polsky. Okay, I'm here with Nancy Polsky, corporate trainer, leadership coach, coach, speaker, writer, Nancy Polsky. Nancy, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks a lot, Tony. Great to be here. Yeah, you know, you and I first got connected. You heard me uh, when I was a guest on the one you feed with Eric Zimmer, and you'd reached out and, uh, and, sent me a really nice email and you have two boys and you were saying that, you know, the conversation Eric and I had kind of brought up some, some insights that you had around raising two boys. Your, your, your sons are, what are the ages? 21 and and younger than that? 21 and 16. Yeah. 21 and 16. Um, And, you know, I, I have presented on Basecamp for Men quite a bit about, uh, you know, men's men's psychology, uh, kind of the way we were cultured as men. Um, we talk about the man box quite a bit on base camp for men, which is, you know, this kind of this kind of cultural conditioning that says men can't, you know, show their authentic selves or cannot be, you know, cannot show that they're struggling with anything that that men we kind of were raised that men had to show a, a strong front. And don't talk about what's really going on. Don't talk about when you're getting your ass kicked or when you're hurting or, or any of these things, marriage is coming apart, you know, health issues, and, and we're just not supposed to talk about them. And, you know, I saw two kind of broad 
uh, uh, groups when I was growing up. I saw dominantly the one I just spoke of, uh, kind of macho guys, because I grew up in a, in a working class town, kind of macho men that didn't talk about anything. And then as I got older and went to college, I saw kind of the sensitive new age guy. And this is a guy that was vulnerable, could speak to his feelings really well. Uh, but this guy didn't have any masculine oomph. He didn't have any authenticity. Uh, women and, and other men didn't trust him. So I could see, you know, that that wasn't the way to go. And so through the Mankind Project and kind of the work that that I have done in that in that kind of men's personal development, we kind of landed on this kind of, uh, you know, authenticity was the key for men. But I still see men struggling to reach out for help, to get support. So I still see a lot of the shadow of that. And you have two young sons. And I was just to start off with curious, cause you'd written about it a little bit in the email that you're seeing, what's the dynamic you're seeing. So I have a 15 year old son, you have a 16 and a 21 year old. Um, I can see the millennials kind of up close in the workplace for myself. So I can see kind of how they they're, they're being, but I was curious to see what your take was on how they're growing into young men, uh, what kind of condition they get, what, it, what are the good things, maybe some of the shadow that you see in, in your two sons, and they're quite different, and they're a little bit different in the age. So I just wanted to start off, yeah. like, what are you noticing about how they're, how they're taking on messaging around being a man? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I, I can really only speak to the experience of my, you know, my family, my viewpoint into my family. Sure. Uh, um, I, I think that there is a difference even um, not only between our generation of the um, that dichotomy of the the man box and the mm-hmm. um, you know vulnerable new age type of man that you're talking about. Um, uh, there's a difference between those two for sure, but um, I see less of that in my son's age, um, especially my younger, my 16 year old. That is, I I see. Uh, he and his friends, um, their their group is incredibly authentic, and um, don't really struggle to to reach out to for help one to one another. Mm. Um, they, they do it in their own unique way that is different than you know what mom would expect, and um, you know it's it's not this new age you know, too vulnerable, too in their feelings and not able to have, uh, you know, a masculine kind of umph to them. Yep. I, I find them to be incredibly authentic um, and also aware of their feelings. That's great. That makes me feel really happy that we've got, you know, the next generation has, it is, sort of expressing some of the things that we couldn't in a way that is really working for them. Um, you know, you, you sent me, you wrote a chapter in a book and it was about forgiveness and I, th- and it, the writing was really great. Uh, oh, yeah, it was re- really, really good writing. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, there's a quote uh, by Shauna Shapiro that you had in the book and it's quote forgiveness is perhaps the most challenging of all resources available available to us and the most transformational unquote um why why is what what first of all why do why would somebody take on forgiveness as perhaps 
a process or uh, something that is a uh, life path or, you know, a tool that they would use? Why, why consider taking it on? Like what's in it for the person taking it on? Um, and, and the second part, I guess, is why is it so challenging for us? Yeah, great, great questions. I think uh, when the burden of carrying the load of the grudge or the hurt, you know, the indignity of whatever it is you perceive to have, um, you know, hurt, hurt you, just when that burden becomes just too great and it's limiting your capacity to live in the current moment, mm-hmm. when you're spending too much time um, lamenting a past that hasn't, that didn't occur, then it's too burdensome. And then forgiveness is sort of this magical tool that can elevate you out of that burden. Uh, So uh, I think that it's in the deepest, darkest moments when we have nothing else, our our self-righteousness falls away, our our anger and defiance of, uh, you know, what happened or what we wish didn't, uh, didn't happen falls away. The forgiveness is one of the um, avenues available to us for, for real healing. And so why, um, I think that's why we would take it on. And then, you know, in terms of uh, how, I, that's a great question because um, if you think about it, we don't really learn forgiveness at at what point do we really learn I'd say actually both sides of the equation is what happens when we transgress and how do we really own um, that transgression taking responsibility for hurting others and um, uh, repairing that relationship and then how do we learn to graciously receive that and uh, allow the relationship to be repaired without holding a grudge or, you know, kind of still holding on to it. Yeah. It's it, to me, you know, as somebody who's done his fair share of, of, of personal development, inner work therapy, all, all the different things to sort of try and uncover uh, shadow tendencies that I was having addiction, all, all the different things that I've had to wrestle with. To me, forgiveness is a really advanced uh, piece, I think, because you can have, and I've seen this in my own life, you can have uh, done a lot of work and be quite loving and kind hearted um, and still you can do all these different things and you can still kind of carry in the back closet some hidden resentments Mm -hmm. to, to the people uh, that you don't want to give up and it, it becomes this kind of weight. It's almost like, well, I'll do the forgiveness stuff later, you know, because the ego mm-hmm. doesn't, the ego doesn't want to let it go. Like, I don't want to let, you know, grandma off the hook, or I don't want to let mm-hmm. my ex ex husband off the hook because I just don't, I want to carry this kind of self-righteousness. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very advanced, I think, because yeah. it's it's sneaky how we hold on to it. Um, and the funny thing, Nancy, is we can see the absurdity sometimes of holding on to these things in other people. Like when I hear some of my friends or family members unpack some grievance that they had because of some reason they are not talking to their best friend 
that they've had their whole life. And I haven't spoken with her in 10 years and they start telling me about it. I think that is the most absurd thing to kill them off about. Like, why can't, you know, but I have my own version of stuff that, that my ego is built up. Like, Oh, I don't want to forgive this person. And mm-hmm. so it, it, we don't see it in ourselves, but we can see, you know, these kind of affronts to other people. And sometimes they don't, they're not real. I mean, yes, there, there's horrific things that people have done that people haven't forgiven, but sometimes in families, when you hear the stories and you know, that's just you and aunt Sandy, you know, you guys go back and forth since you were kids. You guys are just always mad at each other about the most, right. you know, any little thing is proof that she's a big pain in the ass and doesn't love me. And, right. and it's ironic too, that the people that we hold on to most, it's like the people that we really love the most. They're like our brothers, sisters, our exes who we, who we fell in love with. It's like all these people that we've lavished with love and, and then expectations that they didn't meet that we kill off with these kind of scripts about, you know, Oh, you, you, you're on my shit list. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you, uh, now it's getting juicy, Tony. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, um, it's so relatable. I think everyone has people in their family that you can say, Oh gosh, look at them. Right. She's yeah. it and holding grudges. And it's much harder for us to look at ourselves and see where am I still holding on to the indignities, the hurt, yeah. the, self-righteousness, you know, and, um, and why, why am I still holding on to it? Right. What does it afford me that I'm still holding on to it? And, um, you know, my, my view is like underneath everything, you know, the, um, holding on to unforgiveness is a active emotion, you know, it's charged. Um, there's, there's some anger in, in that, right. Anger is, is, is active. You feel like you're doing something. I'm holding a grudge, right. Um, you know, withholding my love. I'm not talking to someone. And, um, I think if you strip away that, that anger level that what I think I is there's fear and sadness Mm -hmm. uh, underneath it that we've, um, that fear that we're not going to be okay, you know, yeah. sadness that we, we were hurt. Um, and maybe even, you know, that we're not going to be lovable, that we're not going to be okay. And um, those things are, are people don't know what to do with fear and sadness the way we know what to do with anger, you know, right. anger fuels protest marches it, fu- it fuels a lot that um can, good can result if you channel it the right way right yep, but yep. what do you do with a profound fear that i'm not going to be okay or right. what do you do with a profound sadness that somebody's hurt you and and won't acknowledge it or might not be around to even acknowledge it i well, think those are much harder to deal with so that um the anger in unforgiving really serves almost as a protective measure. Yeah. You know, uh, the, 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 the ironic part or the, the heartbreaking part kind of is we don't hold grudges against people that we're indifferent to. It's all the people that we really, really love. Like it's like the most, the, the most painful 
you know, unforgiveness is, is to people that we've lavished with, with love and, and, and expectation, frankly, you know, like my brother should give me more phone calls and he's, you know, like, damn it. It means I don't mean anything to him. Well, that's not what it means. He's just not great at calling. You know what I mean? Like I can make it mean something that pisses me off, but I don't have to take that. Like, I know my brother loves me. I don't, I don't have to put an expectation over there. And it's, you know, we get conditioned by Hollywood for the revenge, right? Like, so we like, num, 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 num. Like, I'm not forgiving my ex or I'm not forgiving this friend that turned their back on me when I needed him. Um, and Hollywood's full of these kind of revenge scenarios. You know, mm-hmm. John, John, everything. I mean, you name the movie, John Wiggler's all these sure. great, yeah. these, all these great movies like, oh God, that was satisfying revenge over that wrongdoing, you know? And so we kind of carry this little subconscious, like, you know, I, if I let it go and really forgive this person, then I don't get that, that juice of that indignation and that kind of like, I'm going to get you back by, you know, I think one of the things I tell myself if I'm running that script is, you know, I'm going to get you back by, you know, you turn your back on me. I'm never going to call you ever again. The rest of my life This is like, well, that's not real emotionally mature. I don't know if that's, you know, and I really love the person. This, this friends, yeah, I have friends that I've been friends with for a long, long time and we've had falling outs and it's just like the, the, the pain body part of me, the ego part of me is like, I want to get them back. I want them to suffer as much as me, but the poison is inside of me. I'm the one that's doing, I'm doing it to myself by holding on to it. I have no idea what's going on over there because we haven't spoken in 10 years, right? Yeah, they may not even know what, be aware of the... Yeah. The, whatever the experience is that you had. In fact, they often are not. Yeah. Right. right. I, I think to your point about the, you know, the Hollywood revenge, uh, scorched earth scenario, mm-hmm. that that's active, right? That makes for much better um, film footage than simply sitting with yeah. your hurt, right? Yeah, <laughs> just, it does. You know, just being with your hurt. Like, you know, we, we all do it. We all... Uh, live interconnected. So by definition, there are times that something I'm going to do is going to hurt someone who I'm close with. Yeah. And um, so, so like I said, I think there's two sides of this. The, the one side is, um, you know, learning to own that when you do hurt someone and, and how do you repair the relationship um, is one side of it that we, we don't really learn. If you right. think about it as a kid in the playground, you take another kid's shovel in the sandbox. What does the teacher make you do? Right? She drags totally. you over to the other kid and say sorry to Johnny. Yep. I might not be sorry. I wanted to use that shovel, right? But yeah. we're told, like, you know, that we have to apologize. Uh, but that's not really repairing the relationship and, right. um, uh, you know, or owning the misdeed. Or even maybe it's not even a misdeed, right? It's just two people's desires that butt up against each other. I wanted the shovel and you were using the shovel, right? Right. As simple as that. So I think on the one side, there is owning um, those misdeeds and and still um, and seeking to repair the relationship. And on the other side, it's it's like, what do you do when a misdeed has been done to you? Right, and we we've all been on both sides, right? Totally. So, um, sitting with the hurt is is really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and so that vengeance, that fear, that feeling like we could do something by you know withholding our love, by not talking to somebody, becoming estranged, 
you know, whatever it is that vengeance um, towards a person that harmed us is, um, you know, is active. There's um, uh, psychologists see um, that from, you know, very early uh, communities where um, taking out vengeance is actually a signal to the broader community not to mess with you again. Mm-hmm. If you and so it makes sense that people want to enact, show an outward display of revenge, in order to keep themselves safe and secure for the next time around. Yep. And when you do it short, right, one and done. But when you stay in that place of, of um, you know, some of these characters in movies like you're talking about. Sure. Um, scorching the earth all around them it's it you know it doesn't serve yeah doesn't serve anyone. I, I was just thinking what a shitty movie john wick would have been had he oh. when, they, when they killed his dog instead of going scorched earth for two hours he sat down with a meditation and, and yeah. did a forgiveness piece people would have been leaving the theater like that yeah. sucked god that was terrible i you know i don't want to self-actualize john wick i want to piss off john wick so well and also that that um is that venge that revenge is is one is done and one and done it could be potentially yeah, one yeah. Done. i scorch the earth and then i'm okay but um he keeps going like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true right <laughs> but 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 sitting with hurt it feels like a bottomless pit you yeah. know um yeah. i i had uh, the first year of the pandemic i had um, I was at home isolated with um, being treated for COVID 16 days by myself at home. And I was really sick. And the um, the pain of you know being sick, the fear at that time, our hospitals were basically just intubating people here and where I live. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, all of that of course was scary. But the part that hurt the most for me was that uh, one of my children was estranged from me mm-hmm. at the time. Yep. And and having, I had no place to go, Tony. I was stu- in my bed, you know, 104 fever. And um, I had no place to run from the hurt of the estrangement. And I had to just sit with it. Mm. And that is what nearly killed me. Honestly, the suffering of sitting with the hurt was, there were t- moments where it was so unbearable, much more so than the physical pain I was going through. And, um, I think for many people that is so scary, this bottomless pit of hurt yeah. and I'm not going to be okay that, uh, we run from it, you know, Absolutely. It's, so, uh, what, what I learned actually during that time was to sit with it and yeah, it's not very masculine back to our earlier conversation, uh, to sit with our hurt and it, it certainly doesn't make for, for good film footage, but for me, it, it was the way uh, through something, right? Mm-hmm. It was through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's totally mm-hmm. it. You know, it's, listening to you talk, like I, I remember that I had this kind of thought, oh, thinking about this episode coming up to it, that we get so, it's so human. Uh, it shows our humanity that we struggle with forgiveness. I think it's universal. I think it's, it's very challenging. And one of the things about it is like we put the other person 
in a box and freeze them in time. You're the person that didn't call me. You're the person that wronged me 15 years ago or embarrassed me or didn't meet my expectations, ex-wife, ex-husband, ex-friend, whatever. So we freeze them uh, and only relate to them through that through that mm-hmm. kind of ego pain body you're you're the you're the shit that did this to me you broke my heart or whatever and but i don't want to be put in a box i don't want people to say you know i i can be a jerk but i don't want yeah. people to say tony rezak's just an asshole you know he's an asshole and that's all he is it's like it doesn't really it doesn't capture who i am as a soul spirit evolving human being uh, and I don't want to get boxed in on the good side either. I don't, I don't want people saying, oh, he's just great, great, great. I'm like, I want, I want freedom to sort of be dynamic and to express different aspects of what it means to be human, which is more exciting to me than representing one part of it. So why am I maybe in my past putting an ex-friend or an ex-lover mm-hmm. or whatever in a box and then saying, well, I'm just going to refer, you know, I'm going to refer to this person that way. And it's like, yeah. when I, when I, when I frame it that way, I'm like, no, that is not cool. Like you gotta scan your constellation and go way out because you may have people that you're like, Oh, I, I completely killed that person off a long time ago. That's why there's been no interactions. I refuse to return her phone calls or whatever the case may be. So for me in this conversation, I'm seeing, I have some fine-tuned work there's some work to do that's in closer but there's also fine-tuned work where i can go can i and i also want to tell the listeners too like you can do forgiveness work with people that aren't alive anymore in fact many of us have work to do in that area because i think what happens is if we have a sibling or an uncle or a grandfather grandmother parent that passes away and it's like ah crap i always thought we were going to clear that thing up and we didn't shit right and and but it can still you can still do the work that has the massive impact for you and for them i mean it's it's we're in this mystery of like you know, forgiveness is powerful. I think it's super transcendental and and transcendent for the for all involved. And it may be, it may be the secret power that we have not claimed for ourselves as a tribe and individually. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, yeah. but I I think it's that important. I, I do too, and it's it's very difficult. <laughs> I, I think your point about we put the other person in a box in a point in time. We freeze them as to the moment in time that they were not at their best, yep. right? Yep. But that's something we would never want for ourselves. We want the um, uh, latitude to be a dynamic human being who learns and grows. And yes, we make mistakes and we all, uh, do some things that may uh, are malintended, but we're also wonderfully human and do some marvelous things when we're at our best. But we never give that same latitude to you know the those folks that that um we're unforgiving to yeah Yeah. so i mean that that that's a great question why to me why do we hold on to that person at their worst it's super humbling to me because i can see in this conversation with you that it it was simply uh it, it was a hurt you know little boy part of me that got, you know, I didn't get my needs met, right? Or you let me down or mm-hmm. you, you broke my heart. You know, um, you, you, you weren't loyal to me when I really needed you friend, 
you know, and it's just the, it's the vulnerable hurt part of me. That's young, that's spiritually kind of young and, and is like, you know, walking back to the house with my, you know, with my baseball by myself kind of person. Right. And so, and then I'm like, I'm never, I'm never going to give you the time of day. And it's like, and then I, I've carried it. I've carried yeah. it not across the board, but for that pers- particular person, I may have frozen that memory in time and said, you know, um, you're on my shit list until I say so. And it's like, well, I'm 55 years old and I haven't let them off the hook. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, I, yeah. Anyway, it's such a, a visual that you, you know, walking back with your baseball and carry the heaviness that you're, yeah. you're describing is so visual. And um, I think whether we're, it's, it's sitting with the hurt, it's really being present to the hurt. So at some point when you were that little boy in the baseball uniform, right, you got hurt. And now you're saying, I still am, you know, there's a part of me that still is that hurt little boy, even in hurts that are happening in, at age 55, you know, your kid doesn't call you when you're sick and um, you feel hurt in that cellular way that I'm not going to be okay the way um, maybe you were as a little boy. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist by training, um, but I think that the negativity bias does play into this, that, Mm -hmm. you know, we're conditioned to focus on the negative out of fight or flight, you know, out of survival. Yeah. Um, right. Don't touch the hot stove. You remember it's, it's going to burn you. So we're conditioned to focus on that time we got burned by the stove. So I think it's similar, you know, we're conditioned to remember that time. It felt really bad to get hurt on the baseball diamond. Yep. Um, so that we freeze that moment in time. It's almost like a survival technique to focus on uh, being, but the, the end result unforgiving is what you said is a heavy load. It's mm-hmm. carrying a heavy load. So you come to realize, you know, I can't do it anymore. It's not, it's not truly serving me as a, as an act of self-protection. It's actually really self-limiting and, but you have to, it has to get like darkest before the dawn. At least I found for myself before I was willing to entertain forgiveness. And I um, have noticed for myself that it's not a clear line. Like you, I don't um, forgive the indiscretion and then, oh, that's it. It's done tidy in a box, right? I, there are moments again that I get triggered again and uh, triggers is such an overused word, but um, you know, where the, it, it doesn't, the, it's, it's an, a journey forgiving is really a journey. It's not that forgiveness is a destination. Yeah. And it's, it's super powerful. I mean, if we're learning to be, you know, more unconditional in our love, if that's really, if we're learning higher frequency ways of relating to each other, then clearly this is, this is a tool that we can all use consciously. Um, It, to me, I think I kicked forgiveness. I I, I recognize the writing around it in in people uh, like the, uh, Pema Chodron and and some mm-hmm. of these Buddhist writers that were speaking of forgiveness. I certainly recognize the power to transform your inner world and to transform your heart. And I think there was a part of me that wasn't quite ready 
um, that I was like, well, that's an, that's something advanced. Like I spoke of earlier, I'm going to put that in my toolbox and I'll get that when it's time, but I'm 55. Like if there's, and I'm ready for advanced stuff. Like I don't, yeah. I've done the, I've done the, you know, level one, level two, you know, stuff like that. It's if I'm not going to wrestle with things that are super challenging that maybe I don't want to look at, at my age, then when am I going to like, it's, it's, I don't want to leave that one in the box. I don't want to leave that one uncovered uh, yeah. just mainly because I'm, I'm a really curious individual, but also I want to be the best version of myself in my later years. And if I carry these grudges, I just have a feeling I'll create more grudges without knowing it. And pretty soon it's like, you know, well, now I've got, now I'm just managing my life around a bunch of people that I, that I've created these caricatures out of that aren't true. They're just, they're phantoms or they're, they're in my own Mm -hmm. subconscious mind. I'm, I'm just, I haven't dealt with my shadow is the really to get down to is really what it is. Right. Right. And you want peace ultimately, right? Yeah. yeah. As your life is coming to a close, you want Mm -hmm. a sense of peace and not the burden of the unforgiveness. There's such an intelligence of the heart to all of this, the loving kindness practice, the forgiveness piece. Um, and we all want to live uh, in our hearts with, with, with an intelligence, uh, intelligent resonance of the heart with, with compassion and to be able to sort of dance with all of the different interactions and, and be, you know, uh, not, to, not to judge ourselves, but just to be a little bit more skillful. Like, do I really need to, at this point in, in my life, um, not to condemn myself at all, but do I need to hold on to these things? And if something comes up where I get a little triggered or I, or somebody, you know, steps on my toes, uh, metaphorically, do I need to hold on to it longer than, I mean, can I process it very fast? The answer is often yes. If I don't, if I don't build up a, a narrative around it. Uh-huh. Um, but Nancy, thanks so much for coming on. You know, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but do you have anything, how do people find your work, uh, uh, any creative projects that you'd like our listeners to know about or websites you'd like them to go to? I, I didn't cover this ahead of time. Sometimes people are like, eh, you know, but I, I wanted to give you a chance to direct them towards where you are in the world. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah. I, I do have a, have a, a talk coming up at the Meyerhoff Jewish Community Center in New York City, a virtual oh, yeah. talk in a couple of weeks that continues this this theme, actually. So last year I had done a talk on, on forgiveness and the origins of forgiveness and offered some practical um, exercises uh, to help move us to shift into forgiveness. And so this is that flip side that I alluded to earlier. Uh, the talk is really about how do I seek forgiveness and repair when I've um, wronged somebody. And I have to tell you, I'm actually really struggling with it. <laughs> so I'm curious about what will happen. I think it's um, it's on the Meyerhoff J- JCC website. I think that it's July 12th. It's a midday series. And uh, the recordings are online if, uh, if folks want to check it out afterwards. But, you know, that that bookend of, um, you know, seeking forgiveness coupled with um, learning to forgive. That's a that's a that's a challenging one from the person, you know, uh, there's there's a part of like, do I reach way back in my past to bring up something, to ask for forgiveness for something. I think there's a part where you're not sure how it's going to be received. And maybe it's like, 
I don't want to kick up a bunch of stuff if that's not really what you need, right? Like, it's like, I need it, but is that, you know, do you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. sometimes people are like, why are you calling me? <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, I don't true. give a crap if you feel bad, like, you know. And yeah, so, I think that's part of the 12-step program of, um, yeah. you know, that you're supposed to seek to make amends unless it's going to cause more harm to the person. Right, right. right that piece of it um but again um so so yeah that's probably part of why i'm struggling with putting the talk sure. together and um you know what what am i holding on to uh that i'm not willing to forgive myself for my own worst indiscretions yeah right so that there's uh, at the center of that there's probably something around self-compassion eventually um to get to that I got to uh, compassion for the other through the loving kindness meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what you could do is you could, you could walk yourself as uncomfortable as it is. You could walk yourself to ask for forgiveness so that you're in the process. Uh, so, you know, all the, all the undertones about it with the person and, and all your fears about this might not be appropriate or whatever. And then, and then how did, how did that go for you? How did it go for them? from your perspective. And then afterwards, what was that like? What did you learn that might really fill in the top? I'm not saying you're not doing that, but oh, no, that's great. Like almost role play it for yourself. Walk, walk, walk through, uh, yeah. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. So you're doing all this great forgiveness work, but if you're like, okay, I'm going to ask for forgiveness over here. Cause I just know, you know, that, that this is a two way street. It's not just one way. And then that, then, you know, all of the the layers, which you already are intuiting what the layers will be, but I think you'll learn something that might yeah. make the talk even more juicy because you actually did it. Sometimes it's like, I don't know what I'm going to say or I'm struggling because it's like, well, have you done the process? Because then, yeah. you'll, then you'll know. So anyway. That's a great idea. I think yeah. there's like some juicy shadows there. Yeah, yeah. Making it difficult, right? When I'm, I make a mistake or Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah. so much for coming on. I really enjoyed our connection. I've enjoyed all of our conversations we've had. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do it again at some point as as things evolve and stuff. But I really love. Thanks for all your insight and your wisdom. Really appreciate it, Nancy. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Enjoyed spending the time together. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Nancy Polsky. A couple of resources for you in regards to incorporating a forgiveness practice as part of your personal development. The Buddhist author I mentioned, Pema Chodron, is spelled P-E-M-A-C-H-O-D-R-O-N. She has some wonderful books addressing the very dynamic that Nancy and I were speaking of. Pema is a wonderful writer full of humor and humanity, and she has a bunch of books on Amazon to choose from. And the Hawaiian practice of Ho'oponopono can be learned online for free. Uh, Hoponopono, that is a mouthful, man. It's a wonderful forgiveness practice. It's spelled H-O-O-P-O-N-O-P-O-N-O-N-O. And you, I did a Google search, and you can learn it for free at www.hoponoponomiracle.com or at www.healingbrave.com. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. 
Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.